If you want $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash get it and use the promo code get it at checkout. I don't podcast. Naz. Hello. Hello. It is just you and me today. Yeah, so it sad. is. Lauren, Lauren ditched us. I know, but today is a heavy phone call day, so we didn't want to put three phone calls separately on the podcast. We're doing this for your sake. I know you guys miss Lauren, but we're doing it for your sake because three phone calls sounds really bad, and she is at Jack's brother's wedding. So <laughs> that was so specific. Jack's brother's wedding. Yeah, she's at yes, a wedding. I'm in. And I'm in L.A. and Ashley's home for Fourth of July weekend. But it doesn't matter because we have a special guest joining us today. Um, Kate, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, so, hey, guys. Uh, my name is Kate Flanders. Um, I'm the author of a book called The Year of Less. And I am joining you from, uh, we'll say, Vancouver, Canada. We'll go with that. Okay. This Kate. is on Kate, you have, we've tried to get you on the podcast for a while. Your publicist reached out to us like three months ago and (laughs) she was like, there's a girl who just wrote a book and I think she's like really on base with your audience. She was basically a shopaholic and we've been calling you shopaholic by the way for like the past (laughs) three months. We're like, I wonder if a shopaholic can do it this week. Yeah, we've literally been trying to get you on this podcast for so long. We're like, can Shopaholic do next week? (laughs) But Ashley, can you tell, because Ashley was really interested in your story. I actually don't know much about it, which kind of makes me excited. But Ashley, what about her story? Were you like, yes, let's do this. So Kate had, I guess, like a sort of a shopping addiction where she got in thousands of dollars of credit card debt. And then in her 20s, correct, Kate, you're still in your 20s. No, I'm 32 now. Oh, you're 32. But still, you know. A, a, you're still in your 20s. You know, you're still <laughs> one of like, you're a millennial is what I mean. You're a millennial. Yeah. So I'm also 30. So um, she was able to dig her way out of debt and stop her addiction to shopping. And we've never really done a financial podcast before. We've never done anything about money. And it's something that we think about every single day. Shopping is probably something we think about every day too, or at least spending money. And we thought it was important to get a little deep, talk about finances, but also do it in a way that is kind of fun. And Kate, you have written a book where you talk about managing finances in kind of a fun way. Yeah. And I feel like before we dive into it, though, I I just want to share that I personally, I feel like am a very impulsive buyer. Like I was very reluctant to open up a credit card, even though I have one now. I kind of barely use it, which is I think bad because you obviously want to build your credit, but I know myself because I'm the type of person that's like, Oh, I worked so hard this week. Like, let me just buy this, you know, Louis Vuitton bag or, (laughs) but Ashley, you're way better. I think at managing your money. I'm pretty good at it. (laughs) Yeah. Because you don't care about like these super high materialistic things. I think fashion's like what really makes me lose all my money basically and food because I love eating out. Um, but yeah, so so I'm Kate, let's, I want to hear your story of debt. Yeah. Okay. So um, I will just say it's it's been really interesting to get to talk about this more rather than do like, you know, like three minute long interviews that you do on like radio or television. So podcasts are amazing. So thank you so much for just taking the time to like chat about this stuff. Oh, um, this is so cool. Well, so the first thing is just that um, I will say like, 
I realized when I was 25 years old that I was maxed out with close to $30,000 of debt. Whoa. Um, yeah. And basically all of that was consumer debt. So credit cards, a line of credit. Um, it was not student loan debt. I had about $4,500 that I had used for a semester of school, but it was all just basically like spending, swiping, et cetera, for like a lifestyle I could not actually afford. So buy. Um, it's funny, like I can't even say it was just buying stuff. I think that there was this thing in me where just like anytime someone asked me to do anything, I just said yes. So do you want to go for dinner or drinks? Yes. Do you want to go for brunch? Yes. Um, and then sometimes it was like, do you want to go shopping? Do you want to go to the outlet malls or something like that? But on a, on a general basis, I just like said yes a lot and never thought to say no. Um, or maybe thought that saying no would mean I would miss out on something. So saying yes just seemed better or easier. And I always used to tell myself, like, as long as I could pay the minimum payment on my credit cards and any kind of loan I had, like, as long as I could pay the minimum, I was just like, you're doing okay. It'll be fine. You'll pay it off one day. Right. Um, and then like one day came, but only because I got to that point of being maxed out. Like, like I was truly maxed out. Like I had a hundred dollars left in my checking account and a hundred dollars left on one of my credit cards. Wow. And so I had no choice but to start taking it more seriously. Um, Kate, real and, quick, were you that kind of person? Because I'm so that person that says no receipt when I'm at the ATM machine. Because like oh, I just yeah. don't want to know. I don't want to look at it. Like, were you that person that just like didn't ever look really? Yes, I, I'm actually glad you even asked that because I used to do this thing at least like in the last six months or so, like leading up to being maxed out, where I straight up ignored my credit card statements. Um, like I would open them up and peel back just the little corner of the envelope so I could like look inside and see what the minimum payment was, but I didn't want to look at the full balance and I never looked at the list of transactions. Mm -hmm. I was just in like straight up denial again, just like if I can pay the minimum, I'm good. Um, and obviously that'll be worked for so long. <laughs> to be honest, right. like I can't even comprehend this because I pay off my credit card every single month, the full maximum amount, the amount that I spend. And then I have my online banking and I look at my statement like every couple days. I'm constantly looking at what's coming in and what's coming out. And I don't even understand. I really, truly, I know this is crazy, didn't understand credit card debt until you're saying it now. So you rack up the credit card debt because you can, as long as you say, let's just use numbers here. Let's say you make 5000 a month and then your rent is 1000 and then you spend 4000 I mean, then you spend, um, yeah, like 4000 on shopping. So you're able to you're able to pay off your credit card bill to the minimum but still allow what you want in your checking along with paying your rent out of your checking yeah i mean basically like i if well, how do i look at it this way like exact numbers were sort of like i would use my um 
the income I was earning, I would always use that to like pay for my rent, to pay for my bills. Um, you, I mean, there's the occasional bill that you can pay for with credit, but a lot of them you have to pay for still with like cash or like right. with an automatic with a, with a debit. Yeah, I always use yeah. auto pay. Like everything is done through my auto pay, all my debit, and totally. I always have. I'm always in track. So what you're saying is that you can live like a lifestyle off credit cards. Like you can buy furniture, you can buy clothes, you can do vacations, movies, lunch it like dinners. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then just pay like, yeah, pay like 20 bucks a month and just rack up all the debt. What's the, what's the standard minimum to have to pay on a credit card a month? I think it depends, right? It does depend. So every credit card can be like slightly different. Um, Like I know up here, it'll be typically it's something like 3% of your balance or $10, whichever is more. No. Um, I think it's something like that. Like, but it truly like every credit card can be a little bit different. So, um, my minimums, like for how much debt I had by the end of it, my minimums were like $200 each card. And so, so it's like $25. Like I can pay $25 and then you can pay $25 on your card. And then like, they're like, okay, well next month. And then next month it'll be $25, even though you're spending like, let's pretend $500. Well, the thing is mine's weird because I don't really use my credit card. So I'll like (laughs) buy something big, you know, and then I'll like pay it off slowly. And it's like that one thing. And I, you know, I'm not a credit credit card card user. Yeah, I don't like using my credit card. I like using my debit. My dad is always like, don't use your debit because um, it's like dangerous and people are going to steal your shit. And I'm like, okay, well, keep charging it, which I like the debit because I like to see it leave my account immediately so you can really keep, you know, count. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah. You know, I'm so OCD. So it's like, I, that's why I don't like using my credit card because you have to remember to pay it off. So I'd rather just pay everything with the money I actually have because then it's like done. I don't have to think about it. You that's know? what I like too. But apparently you need the credit. You need to have a right, good credit exactly. score. So exactly. I just use my credit card all the time. And I'm like, fine, I'll just wait till the big chunk leaves. I mean, I prefer little chunks throughout the month, but the big chunk, you know, whatever. Do what's, what I got to yeah. do. I mean, what I would say, I would say like in listening to both of these is that you guys have figured out systems that work for you, which is amazing. And I also want to just say that for anyone listening, it's the same thing like, Sometimes people will ask me like, oh, how should I manage my money? And or like, should I use credit or should I use debit or should I use a cash diet? Like, and I'm always like, you have to figure out what works for you. Like personal finance is very personal. What's a cash uh, diet? So, oh, like people who straight up, like when they get paid, they just um, pull out the amount of cash that they would spend on lifestyle stuff. And then and put that, the rest in their account. Yeah. So yeah. they don't, they don't ever use debit or credit. Like they pay for everything with cash. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, that's like people that have savings accounts, which I um, need to get. I don't even have a savings account. (laughs) But that's that's your first homework assignment. (laughs) No, but you know, what's funny is I don't, I'm actually not that crazy of a spender because I, I like having one account and I don't go under a certain number. Does that make sense? So it's basically serving as my savings account. Because I only allow myself to spend a certain amount. Confession, yeah, I, me too. Well, I don't have a savings account. I have a personal and I have a business. Exactly. And I, I probably have too much, like not in other places. 
Now, if you're just in desperate need for a new bra, you can't save on it. You just have to get a fresh new bra because your other ones don't fit. You have to head over to thirdlove.com slash get it because you're going to get 15% off your first purchase at Third Love. And these bras fit so well. Third Love just added 24 new sizes, making them the industry leader with a total of 70 size bras. Isn't that crazy? We all found out that we were a different size than we really thought. Like I'm a 32 and a half B and Lauren is, I think she's a 32 and a half. um, Oh no, she's an A and a half or something like that. So you're probably wearing the wrong bra. And only Third Love is going to help you find your perfect fit. There's a Fit Finder quiz. It's actually fun. It takes less than a minute. And it figures out your perfect fitting bra based on your breast shape. That actually matters. Third Love helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that will fit your body. They have sexier varieties. Like, you know, sometimes I'm like in the sexier mood. So I've, I've gotten a couple of their lace bras, which are super pretty and super high quality. And they give me support. Unlike a lot of other lace bras you'll find out there, which are really flimsy. Third love, they're sexy and supportive. They have cups from A through H and bands up to 48. Each size is designed specifically for a perfect fit. 50% of women fall between the industry cup sizes, but there are a lot that don't. So Third Love invented that half cup sizing that Lauren and I have found works really, really great for us. It's really comfortable. They're tagless labels, no itching, straps that won't slip, and ultra soft smoothing fabrics. There's a fit guarantee. So if it doesn't fit, just return it and exchanges are free and easy. So go over to thirdlove.com slash get it right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That is thirdlove.com slash get it for 15% off today. Tell me, Kate, what is the point of a savings account when you do keep a good amount in your checkings? Right. Um, so it just depends on which savings account you could find. Um, I don't know enough about like all the different banks in the States also because there's so many of them. Um, But I would say if you could, there's a bunch probably of different websites in the States where you can compare um, savings accounts. And if you looked for something with a good interest rate, that is the point of having one because in a checking account, typically you're not going to get paid anything for having um, a balance in there. Whereas a savings account, I mean, it's not always big, but even if, even if it's like a percentage or so, like that's a lot more than nothing. Right. Like we could be making money basically on our money, just sitting there. So exactly. This may be like a dad question, but he always says, you know, of course you should have a savings account, but like savings accounts, it's bullshit. You should be like really investing your money because like, you're going to make like an extra, like couple hundred a year just being the savings account. Whereas like if it's in companies, that's when it can really grow. Yeah. Yeah. I think you definitely have to diversify your portfolio. Yeah. Kate, is that what you do with your money now? Yes, absolutely. So um, like a couple things, like my budgeting strategy now is so different from when I was paying off my debt. Like now I'm, uh, I think it's Ashley who said that you use credit for everything. Yes. Pay- well, pretty yes. much, you know, cash for like 7-Eleven runs and coffee, but, <laughs> yeah. but credit for yeah. most things like over $20. Yeah. So I'm exactly the same. I use my credit cards for basically everything now. Like I have a rewards credit card because I'm the same as you. I can pay it off every month. 
Um, and so I, I feel comfortable now using them that way. Um, I don't use debit that much, I guess maybe to like deposit checks if I ever get them, which is weird if I do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then I do have a few different, um, savings accounts for various things. Like one being self-employed, I have to save money for taxes and, uh, same so, with us. Yes. So that is why I use one of my savings accounts. Um, and then another one is just sort of, I call it like my emergency fund. And there's like, it's actually similar to what you guys are talking about of like having, um, you keep a large balance in your checking. I just have it in a separate savings account. And it's this amount of money that helps me feel comfortable with being right. self-employed. Right. Like I know that if I didn't get paid for a few months or something, like I would be okay. Yeah. It's a cushion. The greatest thing I ever did was invest in getting an accountant, which I did this year. So I totally yes. feel like an adult. And I don't, I just don't understand, Kate, how people out there on their own, I'm sure this is probably why you found yourself in the space that you were in, like managing your money and just finances in general and like taxes and just like all the forms that we get in the mail. Like, I don't understand how anyone can keep track and do it on their own. Like it literally is a a whole other job. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know how anybody does it without an accountant because I've, in my adult life, either I worked with my dad's accountant and then Naz was so very kind to share uh, her accountant with me. (laughs) And now he's working with Jared and yeah, no, he's great. He like really understands the entertainment industry and like all the weird ways of getting money here. Um, Oh, that's amazing. But yeah, what I like, I heard that Jared was like still writing checks to pay bills recently. (laughs) I was like, Jared, the hell because everything <laughs> with me is on auto pay like i don't think yeah, about anything do all my i never think about paying a bill it's everything's on auto pay and he's like i know like i gotta do some he, but then he told me that some credit cards are on auto pay it's just his okay. car payment isn't and i was like oh, oh okay so i don't know but we still this you know um <laughs> but yeah so our accountant or at least with me right now he's doing quarterly taxes like i go and i do my mm-hmm. taxes every quarter and that is right well, it's it's hellish the day that I do it every three months, but it actually makes so much sense. It makes me feel so much more organized. Like I'm not going to miss out on getting, I'm not going to lose money at the end of the year that I don't need to because I have so much organized. And I know we're getting yeah. really off track, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Don't worry. Is- she's doing the same with me too. It's a good idea. We may not talk a lot about finances here on the I Don't Get It podcast, but we do talk a lot about sex. And we are going to enhance and revolutionize your sex life with this discount code, 20% off at lovehoney.com slash get it. That means that you can go to lovehoney.com slash get it and get 20% off anything you need from lingerie, sex toys, all the vibrators you may need solo or you and your partner desire together, uh, lubes, all the good stuff that's just going to take your sex life to a whole new level, but at a great discount price, is at lovehoney.com. They're the brains behind the incredible Broad City collab and 50 Shades sex toys. They deliver straight from Atlanta to your door in super discreet packaging. And if you're like us, you're going to want to get your hands on that toy super fast and they can express it one day shipping. If you're a little bit unsure, they've got loads of handy guides that'll help you out. And get this, there's a 24-hour 24-hour customer service to help you with any questions you've got anytime. We personally love the vibrators. They get the job done, if you know what I mean. Well, I think we can all vouch for that here on the I Don't Get It podcast. 
They're good. And that's all you really need. I'm not going to get explicit here, but just know they're good. They get the job done and you can get 20% off everything at Love Honey at lovehoney.com slash get it. But wait, Kate, we should know like more of like your story and like when you were down in the dumps and then probably get to like all these like remedies and what people (laughs) do after. But maybe start with like what, you know, I know you said you were obviously spending money on like dinners and stuff, but was there anything extravagant that you were spending your money on that you knew you probably shouldn't have? Yeah. Like, were they all little or were they like, were you like dropping trips on there? Like, were you like, like, let's go to Jamaica? Oh my gosh. I wish you guys don't even know. I'm like, since being debt free, now I travel finally all the time because travel is something I always wanted to do. And for some reason, and again, this is where like personal finance is so personal and weird for people. Like back then I, I was never really comfortable putting large amounts on. So it really was a lot of little stuff that constantly added up. I mean, there were still things in there that would be a couple hundred dollars. Um, the largest thing I ever put on there was, um, a brand new couch at one point. Mm. Um, but other than that, no, I didn't, I would say I didn't put at one time anything over maybe like $1,200 on it, but everything truly was probably like under hundred bucks and it just kept adding up. But can I ask you something candidly, Kate? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Doesn't everyone kind of have an idea of what's in their account? So how much of it was you like actually ignoring the fact and maybe pretending that you had money you didn't have and how much of it was just genuinely not knowing? Oh no, I think a lot of it is pretending and I also think that again this isn't for everyone but for anyone who's in a situation where yeah, you just are using credit cards kind of frivolously, I think everyone deep down knows exactly what they're doing. And so now it's um I find like when people ask me for budgeting advice, I'm like, don't even worry about budgeting yet. Like for the next little while, while you're spending money, especially if you're using credit, pay attention like before you swipe to how it feels. Because like I can tell you now looking back, there were a lot of times where I, I didn't feel good spending money and I would almost have this little voice in me being like, you should not be doing this, but you still do it anyways. Um, and so I'm like, I just wonder like how much we could be saving if we actually started listening to that little voice. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious to know, to get to like the why, like where do you feel like you had a lot of friends that had a lot of money and you were trying to maybe keep up with the Joneses or maybe you didn't have a lot of money growing up, but what do you think was your reason for kind of pretending that you had this money that you didn't? And you were how old when this all accumulated to 30,000? I was I was 25. Okay. So, so oh, wow. it's, I would say, I don't think I started to figure this out until the past few years. Um, but I really think that unfortunately looking back at all of that, I would say that most of it came from a lack of self-confidence and self-worth. And so I liked being the person that everyone wanted to like hang out and party with. Mm-hmm. And I liked, Uh, I don't know, like I wrapped up my identity in that in a lot of ways. And so I always wanted to be there and always wanted to go to those things and and just have that fun with people because I really was worried that if I didn't, um, I don't know, like no one would like me or they'd forget about me or I would miss out on something. Um, And it felt good, even though like the money stuff didn't feel good. It felt good to 
be around those people, I guess. So, I mean, that wasn't for every single purchase, but that's just something I've really looked at because in the book, I talk a lot about how like things I realized in the year where I didn't shop at all was that I, I think like deep down a reason that I used to binge consume a lot of things. So not just shopping, but, um, binge drinking, binge eating, even things like binging on like Netflix. Like I think if I really look at it, it usually came from a place of like loneliness and not wanting to deal with some kind of feeling that was going on inside of me. Um, and I think once I sort of opted out of all those things, it's like you have no choice but to sort of face the feelings that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just, yeah, for a long, long time, I was not comfortable with that. Do you feel better now that you have faced all those issues? Yeah. I mean, I don't think any person's going to walk around and tell you that they feel amazing all day, every day. Um, but I think that especially the year where I decided to like not buy anything at all and just sort of learned a lot about myself as a consumer in that, I really realized like the most important thing I had to do was start just accepting myself for who I was and now can make a lot more decisions just really easily and, and more comfortably now because I know who I am and what actually matters to me or what doesn't matter to me. So it's a lot easier now to say like yes or no for the right reasons. Okay, it's an, it's, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I think you just said you didn't buy anything for a whole year? I did. I actually didn't buy anything for two years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Explain. What does that mean though? Like food too? No, no, no. Like, um, no. And it's funny. That's sort of like a popular topic right now. This thought of like extreme frugality and that I definitely do not classify myself as being frugal by any means. Um, I challenged myself for a year at first to just not buy anything, like unless I absolutely needed it. So I could obviously buy things like groceries, um, put gas in my car, like toiletries. Like if I ran out of something, like obviously go buy more. Um, but I couldn't buy things like clothes, shoes, um, accessories, books, magazines, electronics. Um, and I actually added takeout coffee to the list, which of all things, honestly, was one of the hardest to give up. Whoa, I could not imagine. Wait, so how much money did you save doing this? This sounds like a great idea. I'm like very into minimalism, even though my personality is like <laughs> the, the opposite. Couldn't be I more actually, extra. <laughs> I live in a studio and I'm like, oh, I, you know, one day I'll have a one bedroom. And then the other day I was like, why do I need a one bedroom? I don't need a one bedroom. When I meet someone and I move in with them, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just yeah, feel like yeah. I think we need all these things and we don't, yep. even though sometimes I do need like a pair of shoes, you know? Yeah. So to answer like the first question just quickly is, um, that year or the first year, um, I saved $17,000. Damn girl. Damn. Wow. Good job. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, Glenn Coco. That's <laughs> it was crazy. It was pretty wild, especially because the reason I started that challenge was because I was already debt free, but I realized that I had basically gone back to spending all my money. Right. So I wasn't going back into debt or anything, but like every month I would say like, I want to save 20% of my income. And then I would get to the end of every month and be like, okay, I saved like 3%. Like, why? Mm -hmm. Why am I not saving anything? Right. Um, and so that's where the challenge came from. So then at the end of it, I realized, or like doing the math, it was um, about 31% of my take-home income that I saved, which was obviously, um, yeah, just like surpassed what I thought that I was going to be able to do. So it was, it was pretty wild. 
Something I've never understood spending a lot on is luggage. I found the most amazing luggage company though. It's called Away. And my favorite part about this suitcase, they have four varieties and it comes in a whole bunch of different colors. But my favorite is the carry-on version because I don't have to find an outlet at the gate to charge my phone on because you know how it's never guaranteed to have an outlet on a, on a flight and then you're afraid that you're going to land and you're not going to have any juice on your phone. This Away luggage completely does away with that. And it's affordable. You're probably wondering, you're like, wait, how does a suitcase help your charging issues? Because there is a charger in the suitcase. Anything that is powered by a USB cord can be charged on an away carry-on. That's cell phones, tablets, e-readers, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they will fix or replace it for your whole life. And it also comes with a 100-day trial. Live with it, vibe with it, travel with it, Instagram it. And if at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund, no questions asked. There is free shipping on any away order within the lower 48 states. And if you're in New York City, there's a retail store to buy your stuff there as well. Now listen to this. We have a very special offer for you. I don't get it, listeners, because we love you so, so much. If you want $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash get it and use the promo code get it during checkout. Again, that is $20 off a suitcase at awaytravel.com slash get it and use the promo code get it at checkout. off. That's amazing. This stuff is durable. It's sleek. And you're going to feel really organized traveling. All right. Now back to other ways to save. Okay. So you said 30, you said 34%. 31%. Yeah. 31% is like frivolous things. So then the rest of your income was on stuff like rent, utilities, and like toiletries, food, toilet paper, and gas. Yeah, that okay. So at the end of that year, um, again, I I when I had actually just said to you guys, like I used to want to travel all the time, and I could never afford to when I was in debt or when I was paying off debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but that year, even, like when I wasn't buying things, I actually on top of spending seventeen or saving seventeen thousand dollars, I also spent about ten thousand dollars on travel. Um, so I actually, if we did percentages, I say, or I lived on 51% of my income. Um, so that would be like rent, groceries, even like entertainment, whatever. Um, and I spent, or I saved 31 and then I spent 18% on travel. Would you go to the movies? Yeah. That's what I was going to um, ask. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably not often, but cause you yeah. don't need Okay. So you oh. didn't like buy materialistic things. You did buy experiences. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Kate, did you feel like you were living that year that you saved 17,000? Did you feel like you were actually living? Yes. But I would say for me, especially because I was traveling. So it, so if you it, take the traveling out of the equation and you're it, not buying things that you technically don't need, did you feel like it was worth it? Yes. Still, yes. Because I really got to the end of that year. And not only like, kind of, like I said, like I figured out who I was for the first time, but I also just really realized what mattered to me. And 
like the things that were the most important were my family and my friends. And I felt like I had deeper relationships with all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I still spent time with people like I didn't get takeout coffee, but I still was allowed to go to restaurants. And so I just didn't, I didn't go a lot. I found like kind of as the year went on, I was spending a little less and less on the restaurants, but I was still going and I still eat out now. Like I certainly don't believe that like the only way to save uh, money or to cut back or anything is that you just have to like slash everything. And if anything, I would actually say that back when I was 25 and I was maxed out, the worst thing that I did for myself was be as aggressive as I was with my debt repayment then because I was so like I was so mad at myself back then for how much debt I had that I really back then truly did not give myself any kind of fun money. Mm-hmm. So back then going to the movies wasn't an option. Like I just didn't do that. I right. I didn't really go for drinks very much. Like I didn't do things. And instead I sort of just like told myself that I had gotten myself into a mess and I like was punishing myself to get out of it. It this was is the first year. Uh, no, no, no. This was way back when I was 25. Okay. So this so, is 25 when didn't you do two straight years of buying nothing well it came after though so this is where it is like I wasn't in debt when I did the shopping ban I was I okay so when I was 25 I was maxed out I yeah we need a timeline give us a timeline yeah, yeah. So I was... Ashley loves the timelines. I don't care. <laughs> oh, I, do I don't care. I just want to know how you say it. <laughs> I need to know it for sequential order. I need the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, and it's good because a lot of people do just think that I did the shopping ban to pay off debt. And I'm like, no, like it was That's a personal challenge. Yeah. So, right. No, so I was 25, paid off my debt in two years, which sounds great, but again, was super, super aggressive and really hard on myself. And I think because of that too, I really didn't take the time to learn like what my spending habits were or like why I had been an overspender. I didn't know how much money I used to spend every month. Like I didn't know any of these things. And so then when I was debt free, um, so I'm 27 and it's like, I have all my income to myself again. And that is when I would say, I would love to save 20%, but I could never do it. Like, I think once in an entire year, I might've saved 20% of my income in a month. Um, but the rest, it was like 3%, 5%. Like I just wasn't really saving. I was spending all my money. And that's when I was like, I know I can do better than this. Like uh, just a year ago, I finished paying off a ton of debt. I know I can do better financially. Like, why am I not saving anything? And that's when I decided to do the shopping ban. I'd love to get into the concept of when you were talking earlier about how you felt down on yourself and how you felt like you had to keep up, you know, with your peers just to feel good about your actual self. I feel like that's such an issue that's probably been around forever, ever since like money became a thing. Um, But I feel like with social media now, it's like Mm -hmm. even worse. Because because of Instagram, my fashion game is, the, it's so annoying. I don't want to wear an outfit twice. I want to, you know, constantly be wearing something new. Um, I know a woman, I read an article the other day about this woman that went into $10,000 of debt just trying to get Instagram famous. Like, you can mm-hmm. actually Google the article. It's so, it's a really good article. And... I don't, I don't know. Don't you guys just think it's crazy that like in a way some people believe I actually believe money can buy happiness. Um, but I, it makes me sad that money is such a factor in people's happiness and like how they live their life and how they feel about themselves. 
I don't want to spew out like numbers that I don't actually know, but I know that if you Google, there's a an amount of money that people hit, and then they are either no hap no or less, no more yeah. less hap. They I know what you're trying to say. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, they, after you make okay, a certain so like, amount of money, after yeah, you make a certain, like, it doesn't matter how much you have more than that. You're just the same amount of happy, as right? The yeah. next, which I actually kind of a little disagree with, because for example, I I am at that mark where I have that much money, but my parents don't have a lot of money, so my parents can't really afford to like come visit me in California, and that is a factor in my happiness, not seeing my family all the time. So I don't know if I believe that theory. You know what I mean? I feel like money can buy a lot of things that would actually make you happy, I think, personally. I've got an idea for you guys. If you are decorating your house on a budget, you're probably getting new artwork, framing old things, printing out new pictures. You've got to use Framebridge when you're decorating a new place. It makes everything super easy and affordable when it comes to framing I got this big family portrait for Lauren in my new apartment and it's custom framed and beautifully printed because of Framebridge. And it was none of that hassle as like having to bring a picture on a little drive and like handing it over at the pharmacy and getting it blown up and then finding a a frame for it. And then there was this in-sync poster that I wanted for our glam room the thing is a very weird size. It's always been a very weird size. I've always had to have like some weird white border around this InSync poster. And that's driven me crazy and it's never looked good. But then I sent it over to Framebridge. They custom framed it. Custom framed it. So it perfectly fits the image. And I got it for cheaper than I could get anywhere else. We went to framebridge.com. And if you guys go to framebridge.com, you will get 15% off your first order when you use our code GETIT, G-E-T-I-T. All their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. That takes so much money away from things because shipping artwork is expensive, but not at Framebridge. So get started today, frame your photos or send the perfect gift for a wedding, birthday, anniversary. Framebridge.com, use the promo code GETIT, G-E-T-I-T, and you'll save an additional 15% off your first order. We used our code, get it. We save from it. Now it's your turn. Framebridge.com, promo code, get it. Do you guys think money can or can't buy happiness? Because like, even if you have a certain amount of money, if your friends don't have that amount of money, they can't really go on trips with you. You know, if your family doesn't have that amount of money. And then if you don't have anyone, if you're single, do you really have anyone to like share it with? Okay, so I totally understand that because I remember being a Jonas fan and... I'd be like, what do you mean you can't go to that concert? Like, You have to go to the concert because I'm not going to be happy if you don't go to the concert with me. And then I would just end up paying for their tickets so they can come with me. <laughs> yeah. See, I couldn't go to a lot of concerts growing up. Kate, what's your take on like if money can buy happiness or not? And just the concept of people trying to have more than they actually have just for that reason. Well, okay, so like the happiness topic, I would say it would be awful of us to try and be like, oh, no, money, money doesn't make anything better because there are a lot of people who don't have a lot of money. And that's awful of us to be like, oh, no, like, like money doesn't help anything when a lot of families are probably like, "Uh, yeah, it would help you with a lot of things. Exactly. Um, So and so I do. I also think that 
um, as part of that though, like money can't, or if you're spending it on the wrong things or for like the wrong reasons, it doesn't make you happy. So I think like, yeah, if you know what makes you happy, like absolutely making money and being able to travel makes me very happy, but it's like the being able to travel part. Right. So if I looked back at what I was doing years and years ago, I wasn't that happy because I wasn't actually doing the things that like I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of stuff because like I felt like I had to keep up mm-hmm. um, and it that was not making me happy. So it's just really interesting. I kind of look at it as like if you're spending it on what is right for you, then, yeah, it would absolutely bring you happiness. Okay. Right. What advice do you have to people that kind of search for their happiness in money that they might not have or in material items just to kind of, you know, put like perceive, not perceive, but, you know, make it have the perception that they have some sort of status that they don't actually have? Yeah, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is like such a big topic in some ways, because like it's um, it will look a little different for everyone. I think like. For one thing, when you were starting to talk about social media and how it's kind of making things even worse in in that, I would say something that really has helped me over the past few years has been learning that it's okay to unfollow accounts on social media. Um, Like I'm a huge like lover of Instagram. I'm on there all the time, but I, I won't follow retailers. Um, I've realized with retailers like specifically just that the only things you're going to see is like sales or stuff to buy. Like, mm-hmm. and I, and they're like brands I love, but like, I don't need to follow them on social media. It doesn't mean I'm not going to buy from them. I just don't need to follow them on Instagram. Okay. That's good um, advice. So that's one at the same time, unsubscribing from newsletters. Mm-hmm. Um, so like stuff we get in our inboxes, I think like, again, I used to have this thing where you just felt like, well, that's like, that's one of my favorite stores. So I should stay subscribed. I don't know. Like, and same thing with social media, like almost because you feel loyal to them or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not true though. Like it doesn't matter if you follow them anywhere or if you get any kind of notifications, like you can still buy stuff from them when you need it. Um, so kind of like unsubscribing, unfollowing are like the biggest ones. It's the same thing with certain accounts. Like if you follow accounts that make you feel bad, like just don't, like just don't follow them. Um, and it's okay. And it doesn't mean that you don't like that person or you don't like what they stand for. But like, if something about the account makes you not feel good, don't follow it. It's so funny you bring this up because literally last night, Ashley, yeah. I realized that when, you know how you're just mindlessly scrolling before bed? Lately, I've been having some issues like falling asleep because I'm like on my phone. I'm sure that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. So I was just mindlessly scrolling last night and I was like, oh, I follow, some of the accounts I follow are just so dumb. Like some of them are retailers. And they're not really dumb. They're dumb in the sense where they're not making me any smarter. I'm not really learning anything by just seeing, you know, fashion post after fashion post. Right. And last night I decided actually to unfollow some accounts and I followed other accounts like Entrepreneur Magazine, Science, like at Science is a really good Instagram account. And I literally was like looking up accounts that I can follow to make me smarter. That's so interesting. <laughs> That's so ironic on, that we did this today. <laughs> I know. Well, I just, we're on Instagram all the time. So why not use, you know what I mean? Choose to follow Forbes or like Time Magazine or just, you know what I mean? A lot of my news outlets are obviously entertainment news outlets. And I, there was just a part of me that was like, I need to really expand here. You know, well, if this is where I'm spending all my time. 
And I love that so much also just because it makes me want to make sure that I add this point, which is that like we as like humans, like we are consumers, we consume all the time and it's not just the things we're buying or bringing into our home. Like it's what we eat and drink. It's the information that we get. It's the accounts we follow. Like, and so as part of that though, like we are actually in a little bit of control over what we consume. And I think like it's, I I try to look at now as like, I just think overall I'm like a more mindful consumer. So if I can tell that like reading a certain blog or following a certain Instagram account even, or even just like being on Twitter hasn't been as fun for me lately. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I can just pay attention to how I'm feeling being like, ah, like something's not working here anymore. And then just decide to either unfollow things or spend less time on it. Um, and just figure out what what's actually going to feel good because we are in a little bit of control of the stuff that we consume. There are many times in my life where I'll just be like, damn, life is freaking expensive. Like just living like the the first world necessities, like whenever you go to the grocery store, you go to Walmart or like even today, for example, I was like, oh, I lost my SD card reader. And I was like, all right, go on Amazon. There's $30. It's just like there's certain little mm-hmm. things and they add up every day. And you're like, well, what did I what did I spend on today? Everything you kind of needed. Like you didn't go to the mall and like shop for clothes. You, you got stuff that you needed for your business or your food or your health or something like that. So like how much do you think people spend on that? And is there any way to really limit that down? I think like there, I'm a big believer in, yes, like looking for things in your budget that you can cut out. Um, But I'm also, it is just a fact, like there is only so much you can cut back on. Like at some point you strip it back as bare as it goes and there's like not much else to do. Um, And so at that point, like if you really are needing more money, like in personal finance, there's sort of two rules. You can spend less or you can earn more money. Um, and those are yeah, why can't like, we all just earn more? I know, I know. <laughs> I just, you know, what's funny you bring this up, Ashley, because it's the amount of money that people have and spend is so subjective, right? Like I remember I was in line at Trader Joe's and I live by myself. So I bought groceries and normally my groceries for the week, cause I eat out a lot. So, you know, I get a couple of snacks here and there. I get like yeah. a tuna salad, you know, like I get yeah. like stuff that I know I'm going to eat. I never have extra food cause it's me by myself. So normally it's $40. This particular trip to the grocery store was $60 and I'm in line and I'm like, damn, like, what did I get? That's like more, you know, that's like more than my $40 norm. And the woman behind me had two kids. She had two boys, which we all know boys are expensive because they like eat more. And she was (laughs) like, she's like, oh, I miss spending $60 on groceries. She's like, I can't even remember the last time I spent $60 on groceries. Like she was so jealous of me because I live by myself. And here I was like, oh my God, this is so much money on like stupid food that's going to come out of my butt. Like I rather buy food. You <laughs> that's know what so I mean? Funny. This is so funny. That is funny. Oh my God. Um, my <laughs> other question was about credit cards. And the funny mm-hmm. thing about credit cards is there's really, are there really penalties? Like do you get, um, is there a penalty of course when you don't make your minimum payment for the month. But other than that, like what's the risk of just overusing your credit card beyond your means? Is that bankruptcy? Is that the the one thing that's like, oh shit, just got to make sure you don't use your credit card into bankruptcy? Yeah, I mean like the overusing them, 
it, it is pretty much exactly that. Like if you, if you weren't, as long as you were paying your minimums, but you kept racking up, racking up, racking up, you, most people, you know, that will get to a point where it's a large sum that at some point they're either going to have to say, yeah, I either need some kind of loan that has a much cheaper interest rate and you can kind of consolidate into something else um, and get serious about it. Or yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a lot personally, but I know a few people and you hear a lot of cases about people who have to file bankruptcy because the debt literally gets to a point where they can't afford it. Um, as for like not uh, making your minimums though, like every time you do that, it would affect your credit score. Yeah, right. Which is a okay. stupid number that like uh, it just doesn't serve anyone really. But uh, we we sort of have to play the unfortunate game if we ever want to. Yeah, like buy a home or get yeah. credit for whatever reason. So, but yeah, it would affect that. So, like credit scores. <laughs> uh, I know mine's good, but I, but if I didn't, if I set my my minimum each month lower and I only met the minimum, does that depend on how good your credit score is? So as long as you're making your minimum, it's, it might not be affected too much. What's weird about the way credit scores work is there's like four or five different categories that make up your score. Mm. Um, so as long as you're making your minimums, like that category is a-okay. Okay. Right. Um, well, my mom says to always pay a little bit more than your minimum. I like that. Is that yes. a thing? <laughs> Um, it is and it isn't. It's funny because I used to try that method. I was like, if I pay like $5 more, then that'll be good. But I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Like as long as you're making the minimum, the other part or like one of the other parts that make up your credit score is how much of your credit that you have. So say you have like a a couple different $5,000 cards, say you have like $10,000 of credit available to you. Um, another portion of your score is made up on how much of that you're actively using so if I, and I don't know what it is in the States, I think in Canada, it's like you should always be using less than 65% of your total limit. Okay. And so it's, it's probably pretty similar down there. I think like most things in our systems are pretty similar. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's like you should always be using less. So if you did have a balance, it's like best to keep it under um, a percentage of how much total credit you have, because once it goes over, then your score can start to go down. You look like a higher risk. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. But now I've thought of other things like yeah. <laughs> investments. I, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. My dad was like, Oh, savings accounts, like don't really do much for you. Mm-hmm. Are you at the age of 32 investing in like stocks or companies or anything like that? Um, I invest in index funds. So index funds um, are sort of like, I'm trying to think of like the easiest way to explain it. It Technically, it, it is like a whole bunch of stocks. Yeah. There's actually a really good app for millennials to use where you can like invest your money literally through the app on different things, different index funds. Yeah. Oh, I think I forget what it's called. Let me look I up the there's name. a few okay, in the States. I think, know. I think one is Acorn. Um, and then yeah, there's a few acorns, acorns, that's it. Yeah. And then there's a few different, um, like robo advisors. So one I use, which actually I think is also in the States now, um, it's called wealth simple. And so that is like a, an investment place. So I'm not giving like investment advice, but it's like, there's a bunch of different robo advisors out there, which is really great for millennials. Like it's a lot easier for us to, just deal with everything online because that's where we live and that's yeah. like how that's how we operate. Right. So well simple and then in the states there's also Betterment and there's probably a whole bunch of others. 
Um, but those are probably like the two biggest names. And basically index funds are set up to sort of match um, the <clears throat> S&P 500, which is just part of the stock market. So the idea is now that because I'm getting a- confused. Now oh, we need like a whole like- other podcast on educating millennials on the stock market. No, we will never do that. <laughs> 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 it's like everything I'll try to say. If you buying stocks, if you know how to read stock charts, I do not. Oh my god, so I was you- so good at it in sixth grade. We had a <laughs> we had a lesson like a couple of weeks in math on how to do stock markets, and we invested um, with mock money, and I did such a good job. But now I have yeah, no memory of that. Why didn't we do oh, that in high man. school and college? Yeah. It's so dumb that like our school system, I don't know about Canada, but they had one class in college called personal finances. And that's probably the most important class I ever took that taught me all of this stuff. Oh, we don't even have that. So it's so bad. No it's one talks bad. to people about money. It's so no. crazy. I didn't even have that class in college. Good for you. Yeah. yeah I we definitely didn't have anything like that in high school and anything. Um, but all I will say is like with index funds is that they're, it's basically like the least risky sort of way of investing in that um, because there's so many different stocks. Like if you bought one stock and it went down like a lot, you'd lose like all your money. Mm-hmm. But the idea of an index fund is that there's a whole bunch of stocks in it. So like they're kind of all moving up and down a little bit. And overall, the de- they're designed so that you'll like you will earn money on them. And and yes, and yes, once in a while, like things will go down, but like, yeah, it's like less it's risky safe. than just okay. being like, less than just yeah. being like, I bought that stock and then that stock does horribly or something and you lose everything. That I'm like good. Carrie Bradshaw. I like to see my money hanging in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> but All honestly, right. Kate, this was, if you are listening and you made it to the end of this podcast, give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, you did a great because- job because Kate, you are wonderful, but we just talked about finances, which I never thought we could for yeah, 45 minutes. Money is such a tough one, but I think it's important for all of us to talk about it, especially in this culture where people are trying to keep up through Instagram and they just want to look cool and have the next best thing. Um, So you were so informative um, and it's inspiring to see how much money you saved after you earned so much debt. Tell us the name of your book and where we can get it and where we can find you. Uh, so the book is called The Year of Less, and I'm, you can find me on my website, kateflanders.com, or like I said, I do hang out on Instagram at Kate Flanders. Great. Thank you, Kate, awesome. so much. This was so informative. And thank you so much for having me. Talk All right, to you bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.